Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Um, this is Piel de Miel, uh, our very first try at podcasting. <laughs> uh, before we get started, um, we do want to recognize the land that we are on, so I'll turn it over to Diana. Um, yeah. So we both teach in what is known as Denver, Colorado, um, and we want to acknowledge the land yeah, because I, I think it really is important for all of us when working with students of color, when trying to decolonize our pedagogy and um, really engage with anti-racist work, it's important for us to acknowledge the historical context that we live in as well as the present context. Uh, okay. So we are um, on the occupied territory of the Arapaho and Cheyenne nations. Um, and this land has also been used as a site for gathering and healing for many other Native nations, um, including the Ute, Lakota, Kiowa, Comanche, Apache, Shoshone, and um, other Indigenous peoples that um, we could probably do a little bit more research. Um, so with that being said, I think we can start off um, by talking about kind of who we are, um, what we want from this podcast, um, so our viewers kind of get an idea of who we are and you trust us when you listen to this podcast. Um, I don't know if you want to start, Diana. Yeah, I can start. Um, so my name is Diana and I just finished my first year of teaching in Denver Public Schools. Um, I grew up in Colorado Springs and um, a little bit more, more background knowledge and like stuff will probably come up as, as we have conversations. So um, yeah, a little bit of background on me and my family. Um, we, my family is from Durango, Mexico, and we moved here when I was about five years old. We moved to the Springs and I moved out of the Springs. I moved away when I went to college. And so that's really where um, my journey towards like, I guess, independence, you could say, begins and towards more consciousness. I think all students of color, all kids growing up in the U.S. in immigrant households, um, folks who don't conform to um, what is seen as normal or um, who aren't a part of right groups that are privileged or that have power in the U.S. I think all of us have some form of consciousness, but my real, um, I think the molding of my consciousness started when I moved to Boulder. And um, yeah, after I graduated, I started working at, in DPS, which is where I'm at now. And um, yeah, I'll turn it over to Esmeralda. You can take it away. <laughs> cool. So as you just said, um, I'm Esmeralda. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> so my voice sounds shaky. That's <laughs> And Diana probably knows I'm a nervous person in general for everything. <laughs> um, yeah. So yes, um, that's me. Um, I'm from, well, I grew up in Aurora, Colorado. Um, and I also just finished my first year teaching in DPS. Um, Diana and I went to school together in Boulder. Um, so I would agree I have, like, very similar experiences from her um, in getting to Boulder and kind of um, being more critical about the world and everything. Um, my family is originally, and I'm from, um, I was also born in Mexico. Um, that's where all my family's from, with, uh, in Colima, which is, like, south southwestern Mexico. Um, and then we came to the U.S. about, like, 15 years ago. Um, like Anna was saying, like, I think a lot of um, 
my experiences and becoming more critical and my consciousness just opening up comes from like who I am um, and coming from Mexico and having like an immigrant family um, and then going to Boulder and experiencing <laughs> like a cultural culture shock was really what like whoa like I kind of like realized um who I who I was and it kind of I began this journey of like like who do I want to serve like like where like kind of what started like my idea of thinking like oh I want to be a teacher like I want to serve like youth um and like Dana said uh, we'll talk about this a lot more later on but that's just kind of like a glimpse into who I am um yeah yeah, and, I, and I, I think that um, as you'll all, whoever is listening, come to find um, Esmeralda and I are pretty similar, uh, <laughs> um, which is, I think is what lends itself to, I think, me wanting to have a, a podcast with you and you wanting to have a podcast with me, right? Like this mutual kind of, um, these like similar experience, I think, that we've had. Mm -hmm. And then like what I want from this podcast really is to, just have conversation and I think push myself and push my um, like my pedagogy right and really re-examine what it is that I'm I'm doing when I am in the classroom and what it is that I'm committing myself to and I think this first year was like 10 times harder than I thought it was gonna be um, which we can talk about later right um, but I think that that level of difficulty and really not expecting that I think is pushing me now right getting into starting my second year to really examine myself and what it is that I'm bringing to the classroom and what it is that I'm offering students and really like recommitting myself to that work mm -hmm. yeah I I think I agree with you um, with everything you said really um, like when you approach me with the idea to, to like start a podcast and you like it like resonates a lot with me what you said like we just have really good conversations right and I think that's like <laughs> probably something that really defines our like friendship and our relationship um over the years is like I feel like we've had a lot of like bomb conversations about like everything you know like um and I would like even say that like you and having conversations with you like really like raised my consciousness um Oh, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> to say, I think that's what it's like being among other mujeres, right? Like mm -hmm. to speak to other women. Like I don't really have a lot of guy friends. I have very few. If you're a guy <laughs> friend of mine, like you know that you're one of the few. Um, but I think just like as women, we have different experiences that oftentimes make us look for community right and like we look for that community to sometimes validate a lot of the experiences that we've had um, we look for the community to be able to open ourselves up in ways that we haven't been able to before and and like when i went to boulder um i mean i have four siblings so i have had people that i can talk to but we're all five years apart so i never had anyone in my same age group that I could really explore these issues with. And I think that's what I so appreciate our, about our relationship and about our, almost like our shared paths, right? 
Mm-hmm. And and I think that's really what I'm hoping like we can share with other other people, even if like you all are not wanting to go into education or not teachers, right? Um, just I think that sentiment of sharing in community with someone who who knows what it is that, mm-hmm. that you're going through. Yeah. And it's like so interesting too to think about because we didn't even we didn't even meet like as like oh. teachers, right? We met as like two like college students, like in like a place of like where we experienced like culture shock. And then our paths kind of led us like into teaching, doing the same program, being in the same classes. And even now, like teaching in DPS, um, it's kind of interesting how the universe works um, in that way, right? Like like you said, like this path, right? Like, that we've shared and where we've grown, we've had like a lot of like, shared experiences. I think that's really cool too, um, to experience that with someone. Yeah, and, and I think like that, I think leads itself pretty well into um, just the meat of this first podcast, which I think is us wanting to share our experience as um, first-year teachers, teachers of color, um, Latinx, Mexican, Mexican-American teachers in DPS. Um, I think that in doing that, like it's important for me to acknowledge that I am a lighter skin, right? Like I'm not as dark of a Latina or Mexican American as other folks in my own family. And with that comes privilege, right? And so I think it's important for me to acknowledge that because of my experience is different than that of other folks of color. So I just want to preface that before yeah. we And even like, <laughs> like taking into consideration what you just said, like I, I'm also like on the same right like I'm even lighter than you are like single like pelo widow and like colored eyes and stuff and I think that's really important to acknowledge as well like my experience is like complete although we're on the same path like I think our experiences are so so different and like my experiences compared to like other teachers of color and DPS and like in the world are going to be extremely different so this is just like one experience um, and then like when I'm talking like do take into consideration that I speak with a lot of privilege right like I'm I don't like um I don't mean to like speak for like um like black women or like women who are not white passing like I am um it's just like my experience and it does come with privilege um and that's just how it is yeah yeah and I, and I think like for a lot of folks I think right now is a time of like immense growth, right? I think a lot of us who care deeply about the students that we work with, care about our workplace and and the people of color that work there, um, care about our cousins, our friends, right? I think a lot of us are diving into just this time period of a lot of growth and a lot of self-reflection. And so I think acknowledging the experiences that we had had the experiences that we have had in the past and that we currently have right i think that some of us might feel uncomfortable with it and sometimes when we're uncomfortable we at least for me i just want to stop whatever i'm doing right like i i just want to close my computer just watch tv not really think about it but i i really encourage us to think think about those things right and 
and think about why we are uncomfortable. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge our privilege when we are talking about our experiences, when we're talking about um, like our hopes for the future. And so, yeah, I don't know if you want to start off by sharing a little bit about your experience. I know you were working at a middle school mm-hmm. first year, yeah. so even there we have a little bit of a different yeah. It's within the same school district in the same city. Yeah, so um, uh, last year um, I was a seventh grade teacher, um, so which was something that I didn't really plan because I like most of my education, like my practicum um, and everything was like based in high schools and I knew I wanted to teach high school, <laughs> which is so interesting why I ended up in a middle school um, with like very little like experience with actual middle schoolers. Um, but um, so I ended up in middle school um, because I ended up finding an opportunity to student teach at a middle school. I had a kind of like a rough time finding a student teaching position in general because I was like very, very specific. Um, so my, um, I have a, a English licensure, so I teach English. Um, and that comes with like very like specific, I come with like a very specific pedagogy that I want to teach English. I don't want to teach English like like white authors. I do not, I'm not interested in teaching white authors. I'm not interested in like um, adhering to like this one way of teaching English, right? Like when I went to teaching English, like I was like, if I'm gonna teach English, like I'm going to like not teach white authors. I'm going to like, focus on my um, emergent bilingual students. Uh, like I had such a different focus, which like like every other single person in my English program did not have. Like there was like, there was probably like maybe like one person that was like, yeah, like I don't want to teach the canon. Um, so that's why I ended up teaching out of middle school because it's where kind of where my um, student teaching took me. There was like one position open um, where like my, um, advisors were like hey we found like this rad like um black teacher that you could teach under um which is kind of what you're looking for right i didn't want to teach like with someone that wasn't going to be like critical um in their english learning um so yeah that's kind of how i ended up in in middle school and teaching english there um yeah i don't know that kind of i mean that leads to a lot that i can talk about but I could like sit here and talk about it for a long time. Yeah, um, I, but I'll let you, Diana, like yeah, kind of no. share a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good intro, and we can we can ask each other questions too, because I, yeah. I definitely want to hear more about your experience. I know we've talked about some of that briefly, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I I um, back when we were still at CU, um, there was one semester where we had to. Um, going to middle schools and get field experience and then after that semester we were supposed to go into a high school right so we would be experienced in both middle school and high school so that semester that I um, was supposed to go into a high school one of my mentors up at CU who you know um, Wajma she introduced me or kind of reintroduced me which is kind of weird introduced me to um, a friend of hers who would become my mentor teacher um, and she works in DPS and is still, um, I guess, a veteran teacher now in DPS. Um, and so I would go down maybe like once a week, I think, to spend like half the day in her classroom. And I really had a wonderful experience. 
Um, and like Esmeralda, like I, I definitely wanted to find, I definitely wanted to find um, a teacher of color to work with when I was looking for my practicum site. I knew that I wanted to work with um, a woman of color, particularly. And in social studies, which is what I teach, it's uh, very hard. <laughs> it's very hard to find um, women. It's very hard to find people of color. And so to find someone at the intersection of those identities was just like seemingly impossible. Mm -hmm. um, just given like the needs for my classes. Um, but I was very fortunate enough to find a wonderful teacher to work with. Um, and she would become my mentor teacher during student teaching. Um, and then like Esmeralda, I, I had the opportunity to interview for a position at the school where I student taught. And um, like, thankfully, I, I got the position. So that's, that's where I um, was at last year, which is pretty great to be at the same school where I student taught and had a little bit of experience prior. Because I felt like um, I wasn't going into something completely new. And I um, get a lot of like anxiety from things that are new and different. When I was going from like elementary school to middle school, I, I didn't want to go to school anymore. I was like, this is too new. I, I don't know what's going on. When I was going from middle school to high school, same thing. High school to college, I don't even know how I moved to a different town. Who knows? It was just meant to be. So I think teaching at the same school, which is also a wonderful school, I think there's a lot of really, really great things that are happening at the school where I work, um, was just something that I think helped me feel like there were folks who knew me and who were committed to investing in my growth as an educator, mm -hmm. who were committed and believed in me as a teacher. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I felt like I'm such a like, I hate, I hate change type of person. Um, and like you said, like, student teaching was a real, well, for me, at least it was a really rough experience. Um, but like being able, like being offered a job at that school also was kind of like comfort for me, right? Like I, I was like, I want to stay there because I knew the people. I was like, I'll know people. Like I'll be familiar with the space. Like I'll know my students who I student taught. Like I was like, like this has happened to me. Like <laughs> I don't want change. Um, which is like so interesting to reflect on now too because I felt like in a way, like, I, like, don't love everything about my school. Um, and it was interesting that I chose to stay at it because I was comfortable in that space, but not necessarily because I loved that space and loved everything about that space. Um, yeah, and I think it's yeah. hard. Like, it's, it's very hard to love everything about a school. <laughs> It's like, it's yeah, we always talk about it, right? Like, we're like, well, like, hopefully someday we find like the perfect school. <laughs> I know you got to start one. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, like people who start school, like that's just a whole like another topic. But like, <laughs> maybe it's problematic too. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but I, I definitely resonate with that. I think it's really hard to love a system, right? That at its core was really not meant mm -hmm. to, 
to be for us, right? To be for our success, for our healing, for our growth. And I think that's where there is a lot of work to do, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I think that when we're talking about the education system and how we can best support our students of color, we really need to investigate the roots of the education system and really reimagine the system as a whole, right? Like, I don't think that I'm ever gonna find a school where I love everything about the school, but I think what we can do is take the power that we have right now and like, right, I'm only gonna be a second, we're only gonna be second year teachers, right? But we have so much power in that too. There's like, when I'm in my classroom, I can be the version of myself that I choose to to show students that I show to that I choose to interact with the students with right it's not necessarily going to be what everyone loves but I know that when I have students um, giving me wontons <laughs> something's <laughs> working right now <laughs> yeah the food the food that you get is good yeah <laughs> that like made me think of um like what back to like when I first decided to become a teacher mm-hmm. um a lot of people would tell me like because I well like why well, majored in ethnic studies right and I also got like my licensure in English um and a lot of people in like ethnic studies and a lot of like friends and connections I had made on campus would tell me like like how are you going to be a teacher and like be so critical like you can't do that like you can't and I was like oh my I was like that like has always sat with me like because you're working within the system, right? You're working within a system that was not created for people of color, that was not created for all these people. Um, and like a lot of people would honestly tell me like, like you cannot be crit- that critical um, and be a teacher. But then I also had like a lot of people telling me like, once you close your, your classroom, that's all you, right? Like you can do whatever you want and like, like, I'm not saying I'm doing equal things, right? But, like, <laughs> no, <laughs> your yeah. administrator does not have to know that, like, you're telling your kids, like, the police sucks. Like, you're, like, you close your door and you do whatever you want, right? Like, I also had a lot of people telling me that, like, when I was, like, when I chose that path for myself. Yeah, and I think sometimes the way that, sometimes the way that, like, when we're in academia, the way that, academia looks at like k through 12 is almost like it's through a deficit perspective right oh, yeah. Oh, even yeah. the same like department like our ethnic studies department that we were a part of i think there were so many things that i learned from the department i i had a, a minor in ethnic studies and i absolutely loved the people that i met in the classes i learned a lot from folks um but i will say it's extremely elitist and even in light of recent events right like a lot of the protests for black lives matter a lot of um just like folks educating each other i've seen a lot of people who are from cu who maybe majored in ethnic studies take up a lot of space Um, and these are folks specifically that are non-black people of color or white passing people of color Mm -hmm. And I think that when we work within systems and are not 
working within those systems with the intent to eventually overturn those systems, right? Um, our level of consciousness and of critical analysis is going to be so limited. And that's not to say that I am the most conscious person, but that's something that I think as a teacher, I think is something that is passed on to students, right? Like this idea that because you're 16 years old, because you're 14 years old, you just don't understand stuff, right? Like this level of um, critique or analysis is not accessible to you. Well, it's not accessible because we're using language that is elitist. Mm -hmm. And if that language is not accessible to the community in general, then it's not true, like, that, that work is not real activism, right? It's just gonna get locked up in this tower. And I think that's something that is difficult to to deal with. And like, I don't know how, I, don't, I actually, I'm curious how you as a middle school teacher had these conversations with students, right? Because people would, I'm sure people would think like you can't really have conversations about police brutality with a seventh grader. They, they can't really like conceptualize that. So I don't know if you want to share maybe like some of your experiences. Yeah, it's like, it's something I think about a lot, a lot. Um, and it's like, I think I like, I like posted about this, like somewhere on social media about the struggle of trying to like raise consciousness with your students um, when they're so normalized to think that you're the authority, that you know everything, that if you say like, hey, like, I don't know this, let's explore it together. They kind of question you, right? They're like, like, why don't you know this? Like, and it's not their fault, right? It's because in the society we like, they've been raised, like they've been raised to think like teachers have all the power, like, like the, the teacher, like, like I would like have like experiences where like, I, I would just be like, let's not talk about the book today. Let's talk about what happened 60 years ago in like Denver. Like let's talk about what happened 50 years ago. Let's talk about what happened 20 years ago in the United States. And students would be like, well, like, aren't you supposed to be like teaching us um, like the book? Like, aren't we supposed to be reading? So I think like, then I then I would like at myself as, and who I am as a teacher is like taking a step back and being like, I know I'm supposed to be doing that, but like, there's also more important things in the world. And I, I always get kind of like weird looks with my colleagues when like I'll say stuff like that when I'm like well like I don't believe in teaching my students this book I want them to like learn about this instead or I I'd rather like create a relationship with the student if that means they didn't learn anything from me like that's what I value in education like I want my students to like have a space where they feel comfortable in where they can be themselves, where they can talk about whatever they want, where they could have someone like to rely on, you know? And even if they don't necessarily 100% fully rely on me, I want them to just be comfortable being somewhere in the world that does not like them, you know? Like I, I just want them to be themselves. And sometimes that's more important than let's read, let's read, let's read, let's write, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And thankfully also like teaching English lends itself to like, well, we can have a conversation about police brutality while reading this poem about police brutality, which is like so dope to me that I'm able to do that too, because it's also in a way makes it justifiable. Like if my administrator walks in, right? Like 
I'm teaching something, right? Like, I'm, we're reading a poem, and the poem happens to be about, like, some sort of, like, social, social justice commentary, which is, like, really, really important to me. But I do get, like, a lot of, like, like weird looks of my, like, colleagues, and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I don't care. Like, <laughs> they don't learn as long as they, like, have a space to feel comfortable in. And that, like, also with that being said, like, I was one of three people of color in all my middle school. Oh, wow. I, like teachers, teachers, like teachers. I mean, like there's paras and stuff, which are like um, not white, but I was one of like three non-white teachers, which is like mind blowing to me. Um, pretty sad. Yeah, and I, and I think, so the school that I work at is, um, I would say like a lot larger. There's about 1600 students in our school. So our staff is a lot bigger, right? But yeah. even then, I definitely wasn't one of, only one of three, but there's not a lot of teachers of color in my school. Um, and I think, I think I resonate a lot with what you're saying because I think that the fact that there's not a lot of brown and black teachers in the classroom and, and the push-out rate, too, because it's not, mm -hmm. like, I think it's important to acknowledge that, right? Like, it's not that folks in the Black and brown community are not trying to be teachers. It's that these folks are, are being pushed out of mm -hmm. the school system. Um, so I think the fact that there's not a lot of teachers of color makes it really difficult. It makes it almost, like, weird, I think, for mm -hmm. when you do have a teacher of color, right? Like, I never had... I never had a teacher that was not white. I always had white teachers and it wasn't until I got to college that I started having professors that were, um, I think I had one black professor, maybe like two or three um, Chicano, Mexican American teachers in my whole entire life, right? So mm -hmm. that, I think that messes with the way that we think about our community um, when we are presented with someone who is like us, right? I think it's, it makes it difficult to understand, right? Like this person is my teacher and like their methods are maybe not the same as other teachers' methods. So like, how do I, how do I deal with that? Like, who am I in the classroom? And, and I think that's a, I think for me, at least, I struggled a lot with that and being such a young looking teacher. Um, because I taught ninth and 10th grade, like I, ta I taught the youngest grades in high school, right? But I still looked so <laughs> young. Um, I had a lot of issues with like, just behavior um, in some of my classrooms. And it was really difficult because I wish that we had a stronger restorative justice system at the school that I'm at. Um, because there would be times where, like, like I really needed to have a conversation with a student, and there was only maybe, like, there's only maybe, like, one person, one or two people that I could reach out to, but those people are the, the only two people that are doing the work in the whole building. Mm -hmm. um, and they also happen to be people of color. Yeah. So then <laughs> we're seen as the disciplinarians, um, as the people to take care of all of the, the students that are quote-unquote causing trouble. Um, and for me, that, that I think 
was what kind of like overshadowed all of my other experiences this first year. Um, I also was teaching geography, which like was really difficult to teach. I hadn't taken a cultural geography or sorry, a um, cultural and physical, like a combination hybrid class since high school when I was in ninth grade myself. Um, and I also taught US history. And like you said, like it's, it's so much more natural to have conversations about what's going on in the United States with our students because they're so aware. And we were talking about this before, like students are so much more, I think, wise than I was when I was in high school. <laughs> they're so much more knowledgeable. Um, but I think when I was teaching geography, we kind of encountered this roadblock where a lot of the discipline of geography is founded upon this like, these like colonial perspectives right. where we, we create borders, right? That are political borders that are man-made that separate groups of peoples that um, take power from people and give power to others. And I think that was a lot more difficult to, to examine because I just couldn't find resources. And the teachers that I was working with were a great resource for me. But I think there's a lot more that I wish we could have done to examine the global, the global level of imperialism that we're facing right? and that we have. Yeah, and I think that takes us back, like with everything we're saying is kind of why we went into teaching in the first place, right? Like you want to change um, these structures, we want to change the whiteness and education. Like every everything I think so far that we've talked about is like, kind of speaks to why we're even teaching, right? Like, like you're saying, like, like geography is like this colonial, like subject, like, how do we break that down as like, teachers of color and how do we like transmit that to our students of color as well so that they know how to think critically about it right like how do I take like a poem how do I take a textbook and like teach it in a way that like speaks to my students um to my students of color right um yeah I just want to kind of wanted it to bring it all back to like say that like like all these are reasons why we went into teaching like at the core of it is like deconstructing whiteness in our schools, deconstructing like the structure that's already there that is not meant for for black indigenous uh, people of color. Like it's really, it's not, it's not there at all. Um, at least that's like why I went into teaching for sure. Yeah, I, I think I second that. And I think I also, I, I think growing up, uh, I, I second that for sure. I think growing up, I um, was really like, you know, when you're asked as a little kid, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always, I always said, I want to be a teacher. And I remember, like, um, my mom used to sell clothes at a flea market. And there was this family who worked across the, like, like the lot from us, who was from Korea, it was this couple. And they had their niece and nephews. No, it was just nieces, two nieces come. And they asked me if I could help them learn how to read in English. And like, I was like in fifth grade at that point, like I would just go with my mom and help translate for her. So I like 
I don't know how to teach anyone to read in fifth grade. I still kind of don't know how to teach people to read. Like, props to elementary school. It's hard. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, I think that feeling of, like, having something to offer was something that, that I just, I loved. And, like, I didn't really know a lot about other professions. So all throughout high school, I was like, I know I want to be a teacher, but what am I really good at? You know, like, really focusing on the content and not necessarily being aware of other parts, the other parts of being a teacher that I actually think are the most important now. Um, and so I, I think wanting to be a teacher from like the beginning was definitely based on like what I enjoyed and what made me feel like good about myself. But I think once I began to understand the world around me a little more, mm-hmm. it definitely became a lot more than that. And, and like mm-hmm. now, I definitely don't think that like content is as important. Like I don't think content is more important than the conversations that we have with students mm-hmm. about their lived experiences, about wow. the world that we live in today, right? And I think when we, at least for me, when I think back to our experience in college and preparing to be a teacher, I think about our time in Aketsa. Um, and Aketsa was a summer program that Esmeralda and I were both involved with. And the the like core of Aketsa, right? The, the, the heart of Aketsa is in Lakesh. And in Lakesh, I think, is, is hopefully something that folks are already doing without being aware of, right? And Lakesh tells us that you are my other me, right? Like, it's not just the golden rule. Like, I'm not gonna do to you what, what you, what I think you might want. And Lakesh means that I care so deeply about you that I'm going to think critically about my interactions with you, think about what's going on in the world with you. And I think when we think about like change in the world and empathy and like being an, an educator and teaching for, for justice, we really need to have that perspective, mm-hmm. right? Where like I'm willing to, to look within myself and examine my heart in serving you and working with you and growing alongside you. Yeah. And so that's what I definitely feel, yeah, about like my students. Like I look at them and like do it is new through you like in Lakesh because I care about you. Like I'm going to like be like a better version of myself so I can help like to in- to empower you, to give you like that that seed, right? Like for you to do like whatever it is that you want, right? Like and with that being said, like no, like I don't believe like in this like idea of like oh my gosh, I'm going to help my students and I'm going to make them better and uh, they're going to learn so much from me and I'm going to give them everything yeah, and me, like I'm not a savior. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not, right? Like, which I think is like a whole another topic that we can talk mm-hmm. about and things that I've seen in my first year. Um, but in my case, it's like, I care much, so much about myself that I care so much about you too. And like, I want us to grow and I, I want us to like, like be critical like thinkers together and like create like a space of empathy and love right um yeah I definitely agree with you and I'm glad you brought up up in Lakish because I think it's definitely a vision that we've carried with us for like 
so long since we started um, working with Aketa. And I think definitely it's been carried on in our classrooms and even now, like um, with sharing like our knowledge and our conversation, um, it's being carried on, right? Like to people who are listening right now. Um, and hopefully like, if you don't know anything about it, hopefully like you like also like kind of do some research on it. This is hopefully um, like a little spark. Yeah. Yeah, to like go um, learn about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think um, with that, like, I think in, in the future, like, I hope we can continue to talk about things like enrique and how it works in, in our classroom, right? Because I think something I struggled with was how do I implement it in the class? Mm-hmm. How do I introduce this to students? And I, I didn't really do that as explicitly as I would have wanted this last year. I think I asked you, like, at the, I think we had, like, a conversation about this back in, like, July or August. I was like, are you doing an Akesh in your classroom? And we were both kind of like, uh, like, kind of scary, like, to do something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I would like to, like, continue to talk about that and, like, what we can do, maybe um, share what other folks are doing on the podcast mm-hmm. um, through, like, our research. Yeah, and, and I think with that, like, hopefully, if anyone is listening, um, you'll let us know what you'd like to to hear from us. Yeah, um, yeah. with our limited knowledge. <laughs> yeah, with our limited knowledge, of course, we're all continuing to learn. Yeah, yeah so, um, thank, yep. yeah, thank, thank you, you for- all for tuning in. Um, to Piel de Miel. I hope you all like our name. I was like, when we were thinking of names, you we were like, coming up with a list of ideas and I was like piel de miel I was like yo that rhymes like that's kind of cool (laughs) and then I was like yeah I love it it's like yeah it kind of like speaks to me a lot too because like miel like I don't know like the the texture of miel like the consistency the color of miel I feel like it's like such like a fluid like like thing right like and it can be used for so many things too and I think that like speaks to like our skin right and like who we are as people and our identities and like can we be fluid like me right that's kind of what it means to me I don't know like what you think about it like what does it mean Uh, to you I think I was I was thinking a lot about like just the like my skin right like I think Mm -hmm. growing up like I said I'm I'm like a lighter skin brown woman but, um, like, I have a brother who we call Wero. So he's really light-skinned, right? So, like, even within that, there is colorism. And I never was as aware of, like, my brownness until I got to college, mm-hmm. my freshman year. Um, and so I think for me, like, thinking about my skin as, like, honey, and the color of honey, right, is, like, this this caramelly, like, brown with yellow hues it makes me think about like nourishing our skin and and like let alone the like the their nourishing elements that are that can be found in honey the ways that it helps our skin our hair our digestive system um but i think how it connects to how i feel about myself and how i've i've really had to work towards feeling better about myself and how i look and um, who I am, right? Who my community is. Yeah, yeah I agree for sure. Right. Yeah. Thank you everyone for listening. Um, bye.
Stay tuned. Bye. <laughs>